You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. You know, we've been in this series talking about how God has a name and that name changes things. And when you read Scripture, you find out that people called upon the name of the Lord, and that's a repeated phrase in Scripture. It's even in the book of Acts when Paul, when Peter was preaching and, and was telling the 3,000 plus who had gathered there what they, needed to be, what they needed to do to be saved. One of the things he did say was, call upon the name of the Lord. And there's a lot of meaning to that phrase. When, when Paul realized that he needed to be a follower of Jesus and not just a follower of Yahweh, Ananias said, what are you waiting for? Rise and be baptized, calling upon the name of the Lord. And so when you, when you hear the phrase, call upon the name of the Lord, it's always associated with this idea of calling upon the power and the presence of God. In Scripture, it's so weighted with meaning. When they called upon the name of the Lord, victory came, healing came, power came, salvation came, deliverance came. Calling upon the name of the Lord is to call upon His character. Not necessarily a specific name, but calling upon his character, his life, his presence, his power. And so we've been exploring these names of God and how God revealing himself to us is an effort of God's to show us pieces of his character, of who he is and who he's wanting to be in the world and in our lives. And today we look at a different name. It's a name we discover in Exodus 15. The people of God have come out of this slavery and they walk through this red sea this 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 red sea that's been split in this dry ground and they've seen God overtake the Egyptian army and free them from captivity and slavery and then they sing one of the most beautiful songs declaring his his power and his character the first couple of verses even cry out that the Lord is a warrior that he fights for his people and on his people's behalf and that he delivers his people and and now they sit and they're about to make the journey. They're about to, they're about to walk away as free people. People who have seen God do these wondrous and miraculous works. Parting the Red Sea and bringing down power upon high. Destroying the Egyptian people in order to refree and restore his own. And Miriam has just had a time of special music, you could say, in verse 21 where she wasn't done with her song. And she sang to them and said, Sing to the Lord, for He is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. And so now we're going to continue to read Exodus 15, verse 22. Then Moses led Israel on from the Red Sea, and they went out to the wilderness of Shur. They journeyed for three days in the wilderness without finding water. They came to Marah, but they could not drink the water at Marah because it was bitter. That's why it was named Marah. The people grumbled to Moses, as you would imagine, and said, What are we going to drink? So Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he threw it into the water, the water became drinkable. And Yahweh made a statute and ordinance for them at Marah, and he tested them there. And listen to what he said. If you carefully obey Yahweh your Elohim, Yahweh your God, do what is right in his eyes. Pay attention to his commands and keep all his statutes. I will not inflict any, any illnesses on you that I inflicted on the Egyptians, for I am Yahweh Rafi. I am Yahweh who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there by the waters. We find a new reality for the people of God. 
they now encounter this Yahweh Rafi. It's the same Yahweh that has delivered them and done all of these great things, but now he reveals himself as I am the Lord who heals you. And yes, in this text, he establishes a test to them. And he says, you hear what I'm saying, you follow my way of life, you do what I've called you to do, you won't find yourself in illness, sickness, harm, or disease. I am Yahweh Rafi, I am the Lord who heals. And when you read through the Old Testament, you find Rafi mentioned 67 times, at least 67 times to the Old Testament, where Yahweh is revealing himself as the one who heals his people, the Lord who heals. And you even find Rafi used as a verb, and Rafi literally means to heal or to restore, to bring wholeness. So when Yahweh says, I am Yahweh Rafi, he is saying, I'm the Lord who restores you. I'm the Lord who makes you whole. I'm the Lord who heals you. And in the text, in the Old Testament, in 67 times, Yahweh Rafi, it's, it's often associated with physical healing. But it's more often associated with whole healing. With something broader and deeper than just the physical. It's Yahweh Rafi who heals one of sin. It's Yahweh Rafi who heals one of pride. It's Yahweh Rafi who heals one of a depressed and broken spirit. It's Yahweh Rafi who heals one of a, of a chaotic and anxious and disturbed mind. It's Yahweh Rafi who, yes, heals the sick body, but it's Yahweh Rafi who heals the sick soul, the hurt soul, the crushed soul, the broken soul. It's Yahweh Rafi who And Scripture is said to heal nations, to heal a land, to heal a people, to heal an altar, to heal water, to make that which is broken right again, to make that which is sick healthy again. It's Yahweh Rafi, I am the Lord who heals you. Healing in biblical times was, and in ancient Near Eastern times, was usually brought down into three categories. There was healing that came from medical science. And obviously back then, medical science was very limited. But doctors and physicians did exist in ancient times. They just practiced medicine in a radically different way because they were limited by science. But they studied what they knew. And so medicinal practices were were made up of lots of natural herbs and spices and other types of remedies, but they were legitimate doctors. We even know in the New Testament that Luke himself was a physician. And Yahweh Rafi might have certainly chosen to use medical science to heal. But in their culture in ancient Near Eastern times, the most prevalent piece of healing wasn't relying upon science. It was relying upon some sort of deity even if it was a false deity. So worshiping idols and worshiping many different gods sort of increased an Eastern mindset of healing. People thought and knew that healing would ultimately come from a deity, from a supernatural power. And that was very prevalent in culture. But it's not lost on us today. Listen to this. It's an AP News report released August 4th of 2011. It has to do with President Hugo Chavez, who's suffering from cancer. And the the article's titled... Fighting cancer, Chavez seeks aid from deities. Here's what he's quoted about saying. He says, cancer, what is that for me? I have faith in the spirits of the plains that I'll prevail. So even in Eastern thought, and this may be very foreign to Western folk, but in Eastern thought, 
This idea of calling upon supernatural deity or deities is very prevalent even today and always has been. In Venezuela, in the central plains, it's thought where, that's thought to be where all of the deities dwelt, all of the, the, the spirits and all of the powers, all of the gods lived. And so Chavez, like many of the faithful followers of all of those deities, seek healing from those deities, even if they offer animal sacrifice or sort of rituals to these deities to find healing. Chavez could go to the best doctors in the world, but where does he lean? The deities. It's natural. Especially for Eastern thought. Not so much for us, perhaps. But don't forget the Bible was written from the East. God's people were in the East. Jesus was a Jew. He wasn't an American. He was from the East. He lived among the Eastern thought. And so healing was associated with an Eastern thought. It may do us Westerners good to kind of recapture that kind of understanding because that's where Scripture is rooted, but yet it speaks to us. So medical knowledge was a principal form. The worshiping of idols was a principal form. But then there was a third approach, and it was the approach of magic. Disease was often blamed on the presence of evil spirits who could only be vanquished by magical potions or powerful incarnations. And so I wanted to read this to you. It's from Egyptian papyri dating to 1552 B.C. And it lists medical remedies containing very different kinds of ingredients. And so here's your magic potion, your, your, your medical remedy. If you're an Easterner and want to find healing, go to your local pharmacist and ask for the following. Lizard's blood, swine's teeth, putrid meat, stinking fat, moisture from pig's ears, milk, goose grease, donkey's hooves, animal fats from various sources, excretion from animals including human beings, donkeys, antelopes, dogs, cats, and even flies. Now, I feel compelled to give a public service announcement. Check with your pharmacist before you use any of these ingredients. If you're from South Georgia like me, it was always about trial and error. But you don't need to go there here. But this was the magic potion. This would be given to some magician or some sort of wizard or witch in hopes to find healing. And then often associated with these potions would be incantations. Here is a legitimate incantation from the ancient ancient East. Here's the prescription. Dig seven pits and burn in them some vine branches not yet four years old. Then let the woman carrying a cup of wine in her hand come up to each pit in succession and sit down by the side of it and each time let the words be repeated, be free from thy sickness. And the prayer and the hope would be that healing was found there. When you think about healing, we think about a lot of different things. We think about medical science. We think about natural remedies. We think about, in our culture, even in the West at times, uh, calling upon deities. We think about calling upon Yahweh Rafi, or do we? Have we lost the fact that Yahweh Rafi is the Lord who heals? I mean, has has it been lost inside of our hearts? See, there's another thing worth noting. Dr. Trumbull in his book, Studies in Oriental Social Life, and Oriental here meaning ancient Near East. He said this, Another face that sheds light upon the work of Jesus and his disciples in the ministry of healing is the universal expectation in the East of the cure of disease through the supernatural power of some reputed representative of God. So it is and so it has been. In other words, people in the East always looked for a healer. 
And they always look for a man or a woman or some sort of representative of the various deity that they could go to and find healing. And if you think about it, this is what made Jesus and his disciples' ministry so important. Because when Jesus came out and he healed, people flocked to Jesus for healing. People flocked to his disciples for healing. Jesus walked by a pool in Bethsaida. He could have healed everybody there. He could have just simply spoken the word, but he chose to heal only one. And so we find at times Jesus healing them all out of his compassion and goodness. And we find at times Jesus healing only one. And we find at times in Scripture Jesus not even healing any because Jesus would say things like, well, I need to go over there and preach and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of God. And we read Scripture and we find out in Hebrews and we find out in other places that the healings of Jesus were principally to point to a kingdom that had come. That in that kingdom there is a king and that king is over all of creation. And to demonstrate that that king is over all of creation, be healed. The blind can see. The lame can walk again. To demonstrate that this is the king of kings. And that there is none other than him. But what happened was that people often missed the healer. Because all they were after was the healing. And so they would come to him for the healing, but didn't really want anything to do with the healer. What was true then... Sadly, it's true now. See, in the Bible, sickness is associated with many things. In Eastern thought, sickness was associated with many things. Evil spirits, natural cause, even though the idea of natural for them is very different than what we see as natural today. Sickness was often associated with one's sinfulness. And even when you read the scriptures in the Old Testament, you find that to be the case. And even in that text we just read, Exodus 15, 26, you hear what the Lord says. He said, if you will carefully obey the Lord your God, do what is right in his eyes, pay attention to his commands and keep all the statutes, I will not inflict any illnesses on you. I inflict it on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And so there came this prevailing thought, prevalent thought that, that a man's sin or a woman's sin was, a, was what... Her sickness was tied to. And so you read in John chapter 9 when the disciples encountered this man who was blind by birth. Their first question was, was it his mother's sin or his sin? And though sometimes sin did equate to sickness in Scripture, Jesus dispelled a common theory. He said, no, no, it wasn't sin. This man was born blind so that I could be glorified this day. When this man who was born blind can see, people are going to know that someone has entered into this space. That there now is a king over a kingdom. And he can take the blind from birth and make him see again. And we know the story that that blind man who is now able to see caused a bit of a stir in the religious community, didn't he? Who is this Jesus? But don't get me wrong. I mean, when you read scripture, Yahweh Rafi, in his law called the Law of Moses, he did associate and give a foresight of medical science, if you think about it. Because he had as a part of his law that, for instance, if you touch a dead body or around dead bodies, you need to wash your clothes and wash your body before you come back into the community of people. So that there are no diseases or illnesses that spread among you. And you also find in the law of Moses that they practiced isolationism. So if a person was sick and had a disease and they couldn't figure it out, they get to go over there and be with those people so that the sickness and disease didn't encounter the rest of the people. And the tragedy was when God's people failed to obey those commands, sickness and disease entered in. 
But scholars suggest that because of the commands of God and the Jews' obedience to the commands of God, the Jewish people outlasted all civilizations that never did last the great plagues and great sicknesses. Because Yahweh Rafi often demonstrated himself through law as well. But he also did the miraculous. And perhaps our Western minds sometimes forget about the miraculous. But make no mistake. When God created humanity and he said it was very good, he created eyes that were meant to see. Ears that were meant to hear. Bodies that were meant to function. Souls and hearts that were meant to thrive. Minds that were meant to be at peace. And the Bible says this, that when sin entered the world in the garden, all of the cosmos, the the entire creation was cursed and it all became broken. Disease and death entered in. We have the disease and the suffering and the death that we see, not necessarily because of my sin in my life and that's why I'm sick, but the reason we have the death and disease and the sickness and the suffering that we see is because of sin. Because when sin entered in, so did death and disease. As a matter of fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 called death the final enemy of God. Death and sickness and disease is is an insult to creation. It's an insult to humanity. And so Jesus put an end to that in his resurrection. And we all know that there will be a day. There will be a day. When the king of kings comes on his white horse in his blood-stained robe and his tattooed leg, and a sword out of his mouth. And he puts an end to everything that had made sin and sickness and disease and death ever come. And there will be a place, and there will be a day where there is no tears and no sorrow, no sickness, disease, or pain. But this day, the day in which we all live, as we, as we wait for the not yet, there is a Yahweh Rafi, There is still a Lord who heals. There is still a Lord who can reach into the broken heart and into the broken life and into the broken body and a Lord who can heal and bring wholeness and bring peace and bring restoration. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 53. It's because of Christ. In Isaiah 53, this is a prophecy. This is a foretelling of the Messiah. This text is speaking about Jesus. And it says in verse 1, Who has believed what we have heard, and who has the arm of Yahweh been revealed to? He grew up before him like a young plant, talking about Jesus, and like a root out of dry ground. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we should look at him, no appearance that we should even desire him. He was despised and rejected by man. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. Jesus knew sickness and suffering. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. We didn't see him for who he was. Yet, verse 4, he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. But we in turn, we in turn regarded him stricken. Struck down by God and afflicted. When he was crucified, we said it was because he was a criminal. Because he was a blasphemer. But what was really happening was on the cross, he was taking on our sicknesses. He was taking on all of the sin, yes. But he was taking on all of the death and disease in the world. He was taking on all of the things that broke the world. And it says in verse 5, But he was pierced because of our transgressions. 
crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. And we are healed by his wounds. We are healed by his wounds. Because in his wounds, in his 39 lashings, in his crown of thorns, in his beating by the soldiers, in his crucifixion and the nails that went through his hands and his feet, we find the healing there. Why? Because he took it all on for us. And not just our sin, but our sin, yes, but he took on our sicknesses and our diseases and our wounds, all of these things. And so it's by his wounds we can be healed, but somewhere along the line, we people, we, we forget. We forget. Even Matthew, in Matthew 8, 16, says that when evening came, they brought to Jesus many who were demons-possessed. He drove out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick, so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be it's fulfilled. He himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. And yet we forget that healing doesn't come merely from something else. Might God use a doctor for healing? Of course he might. But the doctor's not the healer. Yahweh is the healer. Might he use a friend to speak healing into our lives, hope and encouragement into our lives? Yes, but Yahweh is the healer. We are, we are healed by what Jesus has done. We are healed by the power that comes from on high. Healing and restoration comes and wholeness comes from Yahweh through Jesus. Healing and restoration and wholeness will not come from anything else. Nothing or no one else can offer the kind of healing and restoration and wholeness that humanity desperately longs for. No one can. Nothing else can. Alcohol and drugs will not offer the healing and wholeness and restoration that humanity longs for. Weekend parties will not. Money will not. Success will not. A new job, a new wife, a new house, a new husband will not. Your current wife, your current boyfriend or, or girlfriend or husband will not. Retail therapy will not. Sex will not. Harboring anger or resentment will not. Telling that person off will not. A pastor will not. Children will not. New friends, different friends will not offer healing and restoration and wholeness that we look for. Only Jesus only Jesus, through Yahweh Rafi, can offer the healing and the wholeness and the restoration that every heart and every body longs for. We can't go pursuing the healing. Because one thing is certain. If we pursue the healing, we may never find it. But if we pursue the healer, we can find the healing. So the question we have to ask the question it comes down to for us and ask honestly is do I want the healing more than the healer? Do I want restoration more than the restorer? Do I want this blessing more than I want the blesser? It's a question we have to ask honestly in our own hearts. We find healing because we found Jesus and he found us. And he has revealed himself as Yahweh Rafi, the Lord who heals us. The psalmist says in Psalm 103, 1 through 5, My soul praise the Lord and all that is within me praise his holy name. My soul praise the Lord and do not forget all his benefits. 
He forgives all your sin. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with goodness. Your youth is renewed like the eagles. Yet sadly, we try to find satisfaction in other things. We try to find forgiveness and healing in other things. And yet it is saying that it is the Lord with his benefits. It's not his benefits. It's the Lord who offers benefits. We find healing because we found the healer. We find emotional healing. We find it through Jesus, not through something else. But then there's always that issue of physical healing, isn't it? We know the scripture says that it's appointed unto every man to die once. And we know that scripture also says that death is the last and final enemy of God. And we know that sickness and disease is a cry against God and a cry against humanity. It is anti-creation. It is the opposite of what God wanted for his people. Yet we live in a world where the vocabulary of pain and suffering and sickness and disease is all around us. And we need a new vocabulary. We need Yahweh Rafi, that kind of vocabulary to move in. And yet we look at physical healing and many of us have prayed for healing and never found it for that person. When Allison's mom got sick with cancer a couple of weeks after we came back from our honeymoon. I believed. I believe she was going to be healed. I wasn't raised in a tradition that had that kind of sort of proclaimed faith in a sense. And, but, I, but I believe for whatever reason I was, she's going to be healed. And I would be on my face before the Lord crying and fasting in my tears that she was going to be healed. I would open up scripture and I would, I would find the psalm that would talk about healing. And I would say, it's a word from the Lord. She's going to be healed. And she died eight months later. And she's with the Lord now. She's healed, by the way. But I struggled, and I was faced with a question when it came to physical healing from that point on. And it's a question I think we all face, but I'm not sure we understand that this is the question we're dealing with. I came to Yahweh with high expectations based upon His power. And Him not living into my high expectations resulted in high disappointments for me. And so I think sometimes we say Yahweh Rafi can heal, but we stop praying so fervently and stop praying so hard because we know that if we have these high expectations and Yahweh does what Yahweh wants to do, like Jesus didn't heal everybody and so he chooses not to heal that person physically or whatever, then what we do, we don't have the high expectations anymore. We don't call out to the name of the Lord with the one that's Yahweh Rafi who bore our sicknesses and we try to explain it away in our various theologies and we don't have the high expectations Because we know that with the high expectations, there's the risk of high disappointments. And so we fail to believe and pray hard and we fail to to have that kind of faith in our lives as we move forward. And so instead what we do is we take sort of a low expectation. Your will be done, resign ourselves to a low expectation. Because we know a low expectation will yield a low disappointment. Because we live and see the sin and the brokenness, the sickness and disease. And I think what Yahweh Rafi is calling us to, as risky it may, as it may seem to be in our hearts, I think what he's calling us to is a high expectation of who he says he is. Not what we think he should be, but who he says he is. And who he says he is here is Yahweh Rafi, who Isaiah 53 said that he is is a God on the cross who bore our sicknesses and our diseases and by his wounds we are healed. 
And so I had to decide if I was going to push. If from now on for the rest of my life I'm going to push through, I'm going to push through my, my experiences and my insecurities and the failings and the times where Yahweh didn't respond the way I wished He would have responded, I've got to push through. I've got to pray until something happens. I've got to be like Paul who cried out until something happened. And he heard a definitive word of the Lord who said, My grace will be sufficient in your weakness. I'm not going to heal you of that thing. My grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. But he heard something. He heard something. He prayed until something happened. I'm not going to resign myself anymore. And I don't think the Lord wants us to resign ourselves anymore to just stop praying, to stop believing, and to start pushing into a Yahweh who can heal. We don't give up. We pray until something happens because who Yahweh says he is. It's who he says he is. It's what he says he can do. I still believe he can work miracles. See, when medical science finds a person who is sick and then they come back and test them to find out they're not sick, they call it spontaneous restoration. Christ followers call it a miracle and a touch of God. When a person climbs out of a long pit of depression and they meet with a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist, it, it's a quick turnaround. Psychiatrist says the body found itself in order again. We would call it deliverance. Will Yahweh use medicine? Will he use doctors? Yahweh will do what he wants to do. Of course he will. But don't forget that Yahweh will do what he wants to do. Here's what I know that I know that I know. Yahweh Rafi is still Yahweh Rafi. He's still the Lord who heals. And he calls us to be a people who push, who pray until something happens, who pray until there's that definitive word. And no matter what, and please don't let this be lost on you, no matter what, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22, 23, what the Holy Spirit produces in the life of his people is still going to be love. It's still going to be joy, and it's still going to be peace, even in the midst of not knowing, and even in the midst of unanswered prayer. It's still going to be love, joy, and peace. He still heals our hearts, and He still heals our souls, and He still heals our minds, if though for some of us we are waiting on Him to heal our bodies. He can still heal our hearts, souls, and minds, and that is a promise He made in Jesus. Because the fruit of the Spirit... Not the fruit of you and not the fruit of me, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and even peace. And so then Jesus tells a parable, he tells a story in Luke chapter 18. He says, he then told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not become discouraged. Or you could say he told them a parable on the need to push, to pray until something happens. There was a judge in one town who didn't fear God or respect man, and a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a, little while, for a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect man, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I, I will give her justice so she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. And then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay to help them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find that faith on earth? See, the answer to this story is found in the beginning. 
when Jesus says, look, that's an unjust just, I'm a just God. And so then Jesus says, will you keep praying? Will you keep pushing? Will you keep praying until something happens, trusting that I am a good God, trusting that I am a heavenly Father, trusting that by my wounds you are healed? Will you push? Jesus says, will I find that kind of faith on earth? That kind of faith that looks right in the face of all the death and the disease and the sickness and the depression and the diabetes and the cancer and the the arthritis and and the sadness and the darkness. The sorrow and the loneliness. And will you pray for healing? Will you push? Will you pray until something happens? Will you be a people who believe that I am Yahweh Rafi? Will you have high expectations based on who I say that I am? Or will you play it safe? And just resign to the low expectations so that you can risk the low disappointments and be prepared when the end comes. Or will you trust fully, completely, passionately, even naively? Because I am Yahweh Rafi, the Lord who heals. And so there's a command in the book of James. And it's a command that this church, eldership, for years have believed and obeyed. And it's a command that we're going to obey this morning because it's a command. Albeit for Western folks, it's a different kind of mentality. But it's what James said. And he said, James 5, Come now you... I'm sorry. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they should pray over him after anointing him with olive oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will restore him to health. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sin to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The urgent request of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Healing is there because of what Christ has done. Healing is there. Healing is there. Restoration is there. Wholeness of the heart, of the mind, of the body, and the soul, it's there. And so here's what we're going to do, and here's where it's different for us. And if you're visiting, this is even different for us. During the next three songs, we're going to pray for healing. Over here is where the elders who are present will be and they have the oil. And if you want, they will anoint you with oil and pray over you and and live into that verse. Live into that verse, calling upon Yahweh, Rafi, and Jesus Christ, calling upon the name of the Lord for healing. Healing of heart, mind, body, and soul. And they'll be here praying. And if you want to receive that, just receive that. First service, it was beautiful. People sitting here waiting to be received and waiting to be prayed for. And then there are people being prayed for over here. And so I'm going to pray for people. Garrett's going to pray for people. We're going to pray for you. But here's something else we're going to do. If you're sitting there and you feel the Lord wants you to pray for somebody else. See, we've been fasting for this. And we've been fasting and praying for this for three days. So if you're sitting there and you feel the Lord wants you to pray for somebody else, then please obey the Lord. Obey the Spirit. Get up and go pray with somebody. 
And if that somebody comes to you and says, I feel like I need to pray with you, I just want to pray with you, then you receive that prayer. Receive what the Lord may want to do for you today. That happened first service too. And I believe people found healing. So we're going to do that today. So if you need healing, let us pray. And if you feel the conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit, if you feel the sense to pray with your brother or sister, then then obey that and go pray. And we'll receive you as we pray. Let us begin with prayer. Lord God, we pray that you would bring healing. We call upon the name of the Lord and Jesus Christ. We call upon you as Yahweh Rafi, the one who has loved us and lived the life we could not live and died to death we should have died and has risen from the grave to be King of kings and Lord of lords. We have been adopted into your family. We have been filled with your presence through the power of your spirit because of what Jesus has done. And we call upon you to bring healing in hearts and minds and souls and bodies today. Father, be Father today. Your word has declared that your eyes search throughout the earth to find hearts that are loyal to you so that you may show yourself strong to them. Father, where there is sin, call us to repentance and forgive us and remove it from us and heal us. Where there is a need for wholeness and restoration because of a past or the present or depression or anxiety, then heal it. Where there is sickness in the body, heal it. We call upon you to heal today. So use this time to bring your healing here. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.